Welcome. It is Tuesday after Super Bowl Sunday, which means so much to talk about in the football world. Um, as far as the literal game goes, it was a very cleanly officiated game. Had a few calls that could go either way. Uh, had a few rough in the passer calls I think they missed, but I think they missed them on both Mahomes and Garoppolo, so can't really be upset about anything. Um, early offensive pass interference in the first half for George Kittle, um, he pushed off. It's simple as that. He pushed off to get separation. Uh, you could look at it as, I wouldn't call that. I wouldn't have called it. I'm not a referee, but you can't be upset about 50-50 calls. They happen in every single game. The 49ers did not lose because of officiating. The 49ers lost because the Chiefs were one, the team that was more prepared to go down in the game and come back. They were way more resilient than San Fran was. Um, San Fran had this, it seemed like they played with this fear of going down in the game, and they did go down and they couldn't recover. Kyle Shanahan played with a fear of going down in the game. Example. It is 10 to 10 with a minute, I believe, 45 seconds left, and you get the ball. Yeah, you're pretty pinned back, but you decide to not call your timeout because, and I quote from Kyle Shanahan, we didn't want to give Patrick Mahomes the ball back with any time. That is the definition of playing scared, and you don't win a Super Bowl by playing scared. Andy Reid did not play scared. He went for it on fourth and shorts. He called option plays that we haven't seen all year from him to get first downs, to get touchdowns. He had a direct snap to Kelsey. I mean, just that's just the blueprint of what you don't do in a Super Bowl. You don't play not to lose. When you play not to lose, you end up losing. You're not going against the bottom of the division anymore. You're playing the best team from the AFC, and you come with with just such a weak and conservative approach in that first half. Right when they did that, I was so shocked that they chose to do that. You saw John Lynch up in the press box, the GM of the 49ers, screaming to call a timeout, and Kyle Shanahan did not call a timeout. And then with, I believe, 25 seconds left, you get that deep ball to Kittle in which he pushes off, and he's on the sideline complaining about the the pass interference call. Dude, your complaints about the pass interference call is it should not be even addressed because you decided not to use any of your timeouts in a moment in a game where you need to score. You're versing a team that scores at a ridiculous rate, and right now you have them at ten points in a half. And instead of trying to gain the biggest lead you can, which is the right approach, you have to try to go up on them while they're not scoring. You decide to sit on the ball and say, I'm satisfied with 10-10 at half with our defense. You know the Chiefs are going to start scoring eventually. They don't get shut out for full games. You're lucky you shut them down for a half. I mean, I just, I, I, he did the same thing that he did in the Super Bowl when he was the offense coordinator of Atlanta. Up 28-3, he had good play calling in the first half. Obviously, he scored 28 points on the Patriots. The second half, he turned into a... It seems like he forgets how to call plays. I mean, he didn't run the ball at all in either second half while up. You're up 10, and you're not using your most effective strategy, which has been to run the hell out of the ball. Run a lot. Your defense loves it because they're off the field for long. When you're throwing the ball on second and five with Jimmy Garoppolo, who is not Patrick Mahomes, who is not Tom Brady... He is 
not a bad quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. But you've illustrated all year that you don't really trust him to make the big throws and you don't really trust him to rely your offense on him. And yet, in the biggest game of the year, you're having him throw the ball up 10 on second and fives and second and tens. The strategy made absolutely no sense in any way to me because if you're going to take an all-passing approach, you're going to throw the ball. And I know Jimmy Garoppolo was 19 for 21. At a certain point in that game. He was throwing the ball really well. But that doesn't mean you shy away from the thing that got you there. You got there You got there off the run. You got there off the run and playing tough defense. And you completely abandoned it when it mattered most. And it just is not excusable. I'm not blaming Kyle Shanahan fully for the loss. The defense should have played better in the fourth quarter. Uh, Garoppolo should have played better. He missed Emmanuel Sanders on a deep ball. He missed a couple guys that were open. Kittle was wide open over the middle uh, one time, I remember. But I'm more, I'm going to blame Shanahan more because he's been here and he made this mistake before and he just made the same exact mistake. And to say that you didn't use your timeouts because you didn't want Patrick Mahomes to get the ball back is so scared. That's such a scared way to play a football game and to call a football game. It's like you're playing not to lose, which it's got to be, the most infuriating thing to hear when you're a fan, football fan in general. I mean, to watch your team make it all the way there and to be, you know, ravished by this bad play calling in the second half of the Super Bowl, I'd be infuriated. Um, but it was a great game. Let's make that clear. I, I mean, way better than last year's Super Bowl, which was just, it felt like it would never end. Nobody scored. You knew the Patriots were going to win the whole game. Jared Goff had one of the worst performances I've ever seen a quarterback have ever. Um, but yeah, um, that's pretty much it on the Super Bowl. Um, my prediction was 31-28. It could have been that if uh, San Fran scored at the end and got a two-point conversion there. But Chiefs won 31-20. to uh, Andy Reid deserves the Super Bowl more than just about any coach in the league. He's been um, coaching good teams for... 21 years, I believe, and he, oh, he, whenever he goes, he starts somewhere that is not good, and he makes them really good. I mean, you look at where Kansas City was before he got there, and you look at them now, and it's amazing, and the Eagles, I mean, he did the same thing with them. He had Donovan McNabb, and now he has the best quarterback in the league, and it's not a coincidence that he wins the Super Bowl three years in, uh, two years into having the best quarterback in the league. Um, it, it was a really fun game to watch. I'm glad the Chiefs held on. I wanted Andy Reid to win a ring. Um, yeah, that's about it for the Super Bowl talk. Come back, we still have a little bit of NFL to talk about. Then I'll dive into the travesty that is the New York Knicks franchise and them firing Steve Mills. And also the escapade that went on about a week ago with Alfred Payton and Marcus Morris's ridiculous comments. So just stay tuned. Just one last comment to add about um, the NFL. And I see that Vegas has the Chiefs as the favorite to win the Super Bowl next year. I don't see that as a very smart thing to have because the last team to win back-to-back Super Bowls was the New England Patriots in 2004 and then 2005. This team is not on that level. Um... They are 
they have a young quarterback, they have a good head coach, they have a great coaching staff, good young players, good veteran players, yes. I'm not saying it's out of this realm and impossible, but to make the team that just won the Super Bowl the favorite to win the next one doesn't really make sense to me because they, they it doesn't happen. The Patriots did that, but the Patriots are a different level. You know that dynasty is something we've never seen in the NFL before for this long. That's why it's the best dynasty, I think, ever, and Brady, Belichick are the best coach quarterback ever. I mean, it's just unheard of. So to say a team's going to win two in a row and that they're the favorite to win two in a row, to me that's just a little, I, I don't I don't agree with that at all. I think it's a little uh, premature. I think the Chiefs could be very good next year. I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, went back to the Super Bowl, but to make them the favorite, I'm not sure about that. I think San Fran should have better odds based on their young defense. Um, they're not losing many players. The only players they have going towards free agency is uh, Jimmy Ward who won't be demanding a lot of money, so they could probably get him back. But either way, he's good, but he is replaceable for sure. And they don't have any of their young pass rushers, any of their young front seven leaving. I I don't see the Chiefs as the favorite to win the Super Bowl next year. Uh, To me, that is a bet that I would never make. In other news, head coach of Michigan State Mark D'Antonio steps down after, tw- after only after 20 days after he became entitled to a 4.3 million dollar retention bonus an hour after it is reported that Curtis Blackwell is alleging that Mark D'Antonio committed NCAA violations and one day before National Signing Day wow so where do i begin on this so this guy gets 4.3 million dollars in incentives just 20 days ago and he gets someone claims that he uh, did illegal things under the NCAA laws, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he just steps down. Still gets that $4.3 million. $4.3 million on top of whatever contract he already had. And people really still wonder why there's a calling for the players to get paid. I don't get how a coach could be making that much money of a, of a program that is not even really successful. Michigan State football is sometimes in the top 25. Uh, They haven't been in the Rose Bowl since I think Kirk Cousins was the quarterback. That name gives me nightmares, but I just don't get how a a coach could be making that much to coach a program that is not successful. And you have these players who are giving you their health, they're giving you their full 100%, they're risking their bodies, they're risking their futures by playing football and they're not getting a dime and when we see a player try to make his own money in his own ways they get killed and they get suspended by the NCAA they get fined by the NCAA oh that makes perfect sense let's find someone that's receiving no compensation from us I know it's very complicated with oh they get scholarships oh they get this the, the reason these schools are willing to give them scholarships is because they're getting that money back when these kids leave early when these kids don't fulfill certain parts of their scholarship. If you paid them cash for for bringing the revenue to the football team or the basketball team, you're not going to get that money back. There's no way you could get that money back. That's why the colleges are not paying. That's why the NCAA outlaws it, because it goes into their pockets. Um, there's going to be a lot more to come out on this. I don't know more details. None of them have really come out, but yeah. 
20 days after a $4.3 million incentive and you just step down, say, I'm retiring, I'm done. And you don't think people are going to be like, wait, 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 what about that whole allegation that you cheated? What about that whole allegation that you were recruiting guys doing illegal things recruiting-wise? And doing this right now is messing with kids' futures that wanted to go to Michigan State because they don't know what this guy left behind. They don't know if, if this uh, program is going to be suspended from playoffs in future, um, in future times. Like they, you, If you committed to Michigan State football right now, you're questioning yourself. You're saying, this guy told me he was going to be the head coach. He came and recruited me, and now he just steps down. Just another, another um, example of greed in the NCAA. These coaches make so much money to coach these kids that make nothing. And boy, do they act like it. They act like they are entitled to so much more than these players. They, they, they're not the ones doing the work. They're getting paid for the work. Now, the coaches are doing work. But are they doing enough work to make millions and millions of dollars while these kids barely make ends meet? And the way they're making ends meet is not even by you or the college that they're playing for. Just another ridiculous day for the NCAA. Another ridiculous day for college football. I'm not going to get into college football because there's nothing happening with that. But yeah, just had to break that news. Mark D'Antonio steps down from Michigan State football. Leaves with $4.3 million. And probably a bunch of kids that committed questioning themselves. After this song, we got breaking news in the MLB, so stick around. Breaking news in the baseball world. Mookie Betts traded from Boston to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, you knew a Mookie Betts trade was coming sooner or later when they gave him the one-year $28 million deal. Uh, you just knew that was a, okay, we'll pay you until we can trade you type of deal. Um, they're also sending David Price, that chump, to uh, the Dodgers. That waste of money. Uh, made a ton of money. Did nothing to earn it. Um, became worse as soon as he got the money. They couldn't even use him in the playoffs. They couldn't even start him, so they started using him in the bullpen. And, um, yeah, that's what you paid all those millions for. So, basically, they told the Dodgers, look, we're going to give you Mookie Betts. He's great, but you got to take David Price and get him the hell out of Boston. I don't want to see him. I don't want to pay him. Take him away. I don't care what you do with him. Trade him. Release him after. We don't want him here. And I can't blame them. Uh, The Boston are going down a very bad path. They lost their manager because of cheating. They lost Mookie Betts, who's their best player. Um, They just traded him away. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw more trades coming when you trade. One guy, usually dominoes start to fall. Other guys want out. They want to be on a good team. They want to be on a contending team. You're not showing signs that you're going to be a contending team. I want out. J.D. Martinez might want out. Um, You know, Boston are going down a bad path. Uh, The Yankees are going on the right path to be the division winners. But the Rays also look strong out of the AL East. I, I think the Yankees will win the division and the Rays will come in second. Um, Blue Jays look like they're on a better path than Boston right now, too. Boston just look to be taking the the route of let's just suck and make up for it by drafting good and getting young guys, trading our uh, good players now for young assets and see if we can restart this thing. Um, not a bad approach. I don't think they were on the cusp of winning again or anything anyway, so can't blame Boston there. Mookie Betts to the Dodgers along with David Price. Uh, we don't really know who the other players being sent are right now. I saw 
Kenta Maeda from the Dodgers is going somewhere. I don't know if it's to Boston. He's being traded from the Dodgers. And it also seems like Jock Peterson, who's a good hitter, will be traded from the Dodgers to the Angels. So I guess it's going to be a three-team trade. Again, not all the details are out. But Mookie Betts and David Price are on the Los Angeles Dodgers. And they've officially been traded there. And that is just... That just makes for the Dodgers to... If you don't go to the World Series now, you just, you better win the World Series too for once. How about that? You've gone a bunch of times. You never win. Now you have the Houston Astros cheating as your excuse on why you didn't win before. Well, you better win this year because you just got uh, an MVP added to your already ridiculous team. So no excuses for the Dodgers next year. Um, my, my bet is on them to win the World Series. I'm a Yankee fan, so I want it to be the Yankees, but... The Dodgers just, I mean, it looks like, they just look like a powerhouse of a team. And um, I, I, I just think it's going to be hard for anyone to beat them. Although, in the past, the Dodgers have always found a way to lose. We'll see if that continues with the new MVP on their team. Okay, we're back and out to an interesting story. I've been, I've been dying to talk about this since last Wednesday. When it happened, it's literally as soon as I released my first podcast, the Knicks, being the Knicks, get into this brawl with the Memphis Grizzlies that just, I mean, I am on the side of Alfred Payton. If you don't know what happened, basically there's about 40 seconds left and the Grizzlies are up a significant amount, I think 17 or 18 points, and Jay Crowder decides to steal the inbound pass, walk out to the three-point line and shoot a three which is such an unwritten rule in basketball, and anyone that tells you it's not is lying or doesn't know basketball or has never played. You don't do that. You're up big. There's no reason for you to steal the ball. Stealing the ball, okay. Walking out to the three-point line and shooting a three, no need for it. So Alfred Payton basically politely (laughs) runs over to the three-point line and gives him one right to his chin and knocks um, Jay Crowder down. A big brawl ensues, and... Marcus Morris, who was not even the person that this happened to, felt the need to make comments that were so ridiculous and outdated. And you know what? It's funny that he's the one making comments when he is just literally, why why is he here? Why is he in New York? This team is horrible. He hasn't made them any better. Sure, he could score 20 points a game, but anybody could score 20 points a game on this horrible team. Somebody's got to score. Nobody else can score. So it's not really an accomplishment to score 20 points a game on the Knicks. I'm not impressed. But anyway, after the game, a reporter asked Marcus Morris what he thought of the situation, and he thought this was a smart thing to say. Tennessee's on the court, flopped in, and was throwing the head back the entire game. It's a a man's game, and you just get tired of it, man. And then, obviously, at the end, I was very unprofessional. They went in the game. It's a good team. and You know, he does stuff like that, man. When you say unprofessional, are you referring to the steal at that point? Is it kind of code that you don't go for those plays late like that? No, the steal was cool. You got the steal. It is what it is. But when you step back and shoot a three, you know what I'm saying, and try to, you know, low-key, like, rub it in that they're winning, you know. It's just unprofessional, man. It's soft. His game is soft. He's soft. It's just, you know, it's how he carried you, man. You know, it's just very woman-like. We lost our composure in... So if you heard that, you can hear that Marcus Morris, not only is he not that great of a basketball player, but he's also not that great of um, an articulator of words 
Um, yeah. Gee, I would love to hear the, the woman reporter who was interviewing him during that say, what does play like a female mean? What does having female tendencies mean? What year is this guy living in to make comments like that? It, it literally, th- this didn't even pertain to him. And to say that, it, in a, in a, and don't give me the excuse, oh, I was angry. Let, let's actually read his apology on Twitter for saying female tendencies. He says, Marcus Morris, I apologize for using the term female tendencies. I have the utmost respect for women and everything they mean to us. It was a heat-of-the-moment response, and I never intended for any women to feel as though in any way I'm disrespecting them. Again, I apologize for my comments. Um, The heat-of-the-moment is probably one of the dumbest excuses for saying something outlandish I've ever heard. Because if you say that in the heat of the moment, that means you mean it. It's not like, oh, I don't know what I was talking about. I was, my judgment was clouded. No, that's what you wanted to say. You said it, and you sounded stupid. And now you're trying to make up for it because you know people will get on you for it because they should. And it was just really just an unneeded comment, unneeded behavior by him. Um, I don't really understand where it stemmed from, why he felt the need to be so angry after the game. Alfred Prayton after the game, the one who hit Jay Crowder, said, I would have done it again, and I would do it to anybody. I don't care. You don't disrespect the game like that. And I thought that was perfect. A perfect response to that because it was fiery and showed Knicks fans, I got us. I'm not going to let nobody disrespect us on our court. And also it showed I'm here. I'm here to play for the Knicks. I'm I'll stick up for anybody. I'll do that to anybody. You don't disrespect us on the on the court like that. I would do it again. And while maybe you could say, oh, he shouldn't be hitting anybody. I agree. But at least he shows some some heart and some some. Um, desire to play for the franchise. Marcus Morris, since he got here, it's been rumored that he's getting traded. Why would anybody trade for him? He's not even that good. He's scoring 20 points per game on a very bad basketball team. The Knicks are so bad. They have R.J. Barrett, who's been out now for about a week, and besides him, who could score the ball at a high clip besides Marcus Morris? Julius Randle, I guess, but if you watch basketball and you put on a Knicks game, Watch, watch the full game and tell me Julius Randle is not a below-average-to-average basketball player that just masks it with these double-doubles that he somehow gets. I watch the game. I don't know how he's getting a double-double. When I'm watching, he looks awful. He has no effort on defense. He has the same post move that he does three, four times in a row. He's not athletic. He's not extremely athletic. He's not a really good shooter. They don't have other guys that can score at a high clip, Marcus Morris. That's why you are the one doing it. And for you to make these comments that offend women all over the place, when not that it would be okay if you were a good player, but you're not a good player. You're an average player. That's why you're on the Knicks. If you were an average, you'd be somewhere else. Someone else who knew they could contend would give you that contract. Now you're waiting for somebody to trade for you. And you probably hurt your stock by saying something like that. Maybe not dramatically, but you probably hurt your stock a little bit. You definitely didn't help it. And you know what else hurts your stock? Um, in that very game against um, the um, Memphis Grizzlies, excuse, Memphis Grizzlies, excuse me, Marcus Morris. Let's see what kind of game he had. Um, gee, he was he had 17 points, six rebounds, zero assists. 
He was 5 of 17 from the field and 3 of 9 from 3. Wow. What was his plus minus? Let's see. Oh, minus 19. You have so much... When you are a team that is as bad as the Knicks, there should be no players talking at all. You just should shut up. Don't even do interviews. You're so bad at this game. You should not be... One, you shouldn't be happy in any interview at all. You should be pissed that, gee, I, you know, I'm not so happy because we're 15 and 36. But instead, you're, ma- you're having an interview with a woman asking you questions and you're making such comments like that, that a guy is soft and he plays with female tendencies, a lot like a female. Well, you know what? I think a female would have handled herself a lot better in an interview setting after a heated game in which she scored 15 points at a 5 of 19 or 5 of 17 field goal percentage. So, you know what, Marcus Morris? Take a lap. Other Knicks news, because this um, organization just never ceases to amaze you on how poorly run and just flat-out bad they are. Uh, Jim Dolan has fired Steve Mills as the president of... NBA operations, okay, but he didn't fire him completely from the team. Steve Mills will still have a role; it just won't be the president. And now there are, are rumors that they're going after Masai Ujiri from the Raptors because Masai led the Raptors to a ring. He's a, he's proven to be a very good basketball guy, a GM and president of basketball operations. Here's my question: Why would he come to you? Why would Masai Ujiri leave? the Raptors, where he built something, to come to the Knicks. And don't give me, oh, because it would be a challenge to come here and build something. Nobody cares about the Knicks. Nobody cares about the Garden anymore. It's not a, a big thing to come. Why do you think no free agents come? Because they don't care. You can be, have a big market anywhere now. Look at John Moran. He's in Memphis, and he's a star. Zion Williamson, New Orleans, he's a star. They don't need New York or Madison Square Garden to be big. And the sooner Jim Dolan realizes that, the sooner, the better off he'll be. Because to think that you could, I, I mean, I know he didn't make the rumors that they're going after Masai Ujiri and Sam Pressy from Oklahoma City. Yeah, okay, we'll see. I guarantee you they get neither one of them and they get a guy that failed somewhere else that the Knicks are giving a try because that's what they get. They said they were going to sign Katie and Kyrie. Remember that? Who do they get? Marcus Morris, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson. I mean, not only is it laughable because they signed four guys that play the same position, but they signed four guys and none of them are any good. Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, Taj Gibson, and Bobby Portis. These guys are not good basketball players in the NBA. They're getting paid like it, but they're not good. Everybody that you brought in, and you have the same exact record at this point last year. It's just so, how do you, how do you run a team this badly? How do you, you have to put effort to make such bad decisions. How do you bring in four power forwards in which none of them are that good and you sign all four of them? Oh, we didn't get KD and Kyrie. Or Zion, because Zion was the other one they were going to get. Remember with the first pick? And then they ended up getting the third pick and got R.J. Barrett. And I like R.J. Barrett. I think he's going to be a good player. I don't think he's going to be as good as Zion or John Morant. And I don't even think they'll be close, if I'm being honest. But R.J. Barrett, they made the right pick at three. But 
all last year. Jim Dolan even went on the Michael K show. I remember listening and said, uh, he basically said that they know, got people are telling them that the Knicks and the, I, I'm sorry, people are telling them that KD and Kyrie want to come to the Knicks. Well, whoever told you that's a liar or they don't exist because KD and Kyrie didn't even give you an interview. They didn't even give you a meeting. They didn't even consider you. They went to Brooklyn, which doesn't have half the market that you do. And they went to Brooklyn. Uh, Sean Marks, the GM of Brooklyn, said he didn't even know KD was coming. They didn't even have a meeting. Kevin Durant just posted on social media. And when Kevin Durant says, I'm signing with Brooklyn, guess what Brooklyn does? They sign Kevin Durant. I mean, it's just so laughable. Oh, yeah, Masai Ujiri, who built this big empire in Toronto, won a championship with Toronto, got Kawhi Leonard in a trade in Toronto, is going to leave Toronto and come to the Knicks. It's just so ridiculous that, I don't know if it's Knicks fans, the New York media, they hype this up, that they think that anybody cares about the Knicks. Nobody does. When you're awful for years and years, that's what you are. It's not a. It's not a outlier anymore. You're just bad. You're not a good team. Nobody cares about you. No one is leaving their jobs to come here because you think it's a big market. They don't give a damn. I. Sw- I mean, the two names that are going around are Masai Ujiri and Sam Presti. Sam Presti is one of the most impressive GMs in the NBA. He flipped Paul George, which he had a trade basically, because Paul George said, "Listen, I want out." He got multiple first-round picks. He got Shai Gilgis-Alexander, who looks like a stud. He looks like a perennial all-star in this league. And they got OKC at the seventh seed right now. And guess what? Sam Presti pulled that off on a, on a trade where Paul George came to him and said, I want out. What happened when Chris Dabbs Porzingis went to the Knicks and said, I want out? You got Dennis Smith Jr. and a couple picks. <laughs> the Knicks are so bad that it's funny. That, that you don't, there's not a path for good for the Knicks. They haven't had a point guard in since I've been alive. Um, and it all started when they got rid of Mello. Mello was, I mean, not they were bad with Mello in his last couple of years, but it all started when they started to create the buzz around Mello's not our guy, we can't win with Mello because Mello coming here was the best thing that ever happened to the Knicks. He was the best player to ever say, Yeah, I'll come. Trade for me. I want you to trade for me because I want you to know. I want to know that you want me, but I'll come and I'll I'll carry the load. And he did. Wasn't enough to win a championship. Melo's not a guy that could do it on his own. Melo's one of the best scorers I've seen in my life. But you know he's not a guy that can do it on his own. But he came here and he carried the load. And I think that the that history will be nicer to him than Knicks fans were when he was here, because the Knicks are going to be bad for a really really long time until. Dolan sells the team, they will be bad. They, Steve Mills just walked out, but he still has a job with the Knicks. Don't 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 think that um he's gone. The the terrible GM, you, uh, the terrible president of basketball operations you've had for years, he's still there. Dolan won't fire him completely. He's not the president anymore, but I don't know. Maybe he's a vendor or something in Madison Square Garden since Dolan owns that too. The the joke of a franchise that is the Knicks continues more. Going to finish it off with some recent NBA uh, news today. When I started recording this, I'm not even kidding. The Pelicans were up about 10 in the first quarter and Lonzo Ball was 3 of 3 
from Beyond the Arc. And I said, wow, am I going to have to talk about Lonzo Ball playing so well lately and, you know, hitting the jump shot and the three-pointer at a high clip? Well, no, because after starting the game three of three from three, Lonzo Ball somehow managed to finish the game three of ten from three and and um, four of 12 from the field. Now, he did have 14 rebounds, which I don't know how, but good for him. And he do, he is a good defender. Alonzo Ball can play, but he can't shoot consistently, and it's going to haunt him for the rest of his career unless he gets that down. You can't be a guard in the NBA that is an all-star that can lead a team to a championship if you can't knock down a jump shot consistently. Ben Simmons, never going to be a champion winner if he doesn't start knocking down a shot consistently, a mid-range consistently. you got to develop a jump shot that you can make consistently. Lonzo Ball has not done that. He has flashes where he goes weeks of shooting at a high clip, and then right down the drain, he just starts throwing up bricks. Like 3 of 3, and you end up 3 of 10. How do you even miss seven threes in a row? Stop shooting them. I mean, like... I really don't understand how you can do that. I mean, this is why the Lakers were not not hesitant, but they were okay with trading Lonzo Ball away if it meant Anthony getting Anthony Davis. A lot of people said, oh, Lonzo's got a lot of promise. He could pass. Yeah, but they have LeBron for that. They have a point guard. Okay, LeBron's a point guard, and he's a better point guard than Lonzo Ball is. So that's why they were not so scared to let go of Lonzo Ball. One, because you have LeBron. Two, because he can't shoot consistently and there's no room in the NBA for guards that can't shoot consistently when everybody can shoot Joel Embiid can shoot big guys can shoot why can't you knock down a jump shot consistently when you've made it to this level I just don't get that um getting into the Lakers that are playing right now it's in the first quarter so not really much to talk about there the Lakers looked out of sorts after what happened in the the big um Memorial in the beginning of the game for Kobe. Um, it, they didn't play like themselves. Uh, LeBron didn't shoot the ball well. The Lakers, uh, they almost made a run in the fourth quarter, but Dame, Damian Lillard was just too much for them. And I'm going to get into whether I believe Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard is an MVP candidate uh, or not. At this moment, I don't because his team is not good enough. And, you know, I know you've been missing Nurkic. I know CJ McCollum's not having the year. But I just think that you have to be a playoff team and you have to, like, take when Russ willed his team to the playoffs uh, three years ago and won the MVP. Right when after KD left, Russ, Russell Westbrook made the sixth seed in the West and won MVP, and deservingly so. He also averaged a triple-double. And I'm not saying Dame isn't having a great year. And it's even more impressive for Dane because he started off so slow. But uh, I just need to see them do it. I need to see the Trailblazers win more consistently. I need them to be a playoff team for me to really consider Dane an MVP candidate. And I know that it's not about the team. But it it is when you can't can't be an MVP if your team doesn't make the playoffs. I'm sorry, you just can't. Um, Yeah, and looking back at this box score for Portland against uh, L.A., where Portland won and Dame had 48. Um, the Lakers had 17 turnovers. The Trailblazers had six. You want to know why they won? That's why. Besides Dame dropping 48 points, 
The Lakers had 17 turnovers, and turnovers are the main stat that make you know that a team's head really isn't in the game. Obviously, their minds were elsewhere with what happened. But I would say the one positive that you could take from the tragedy of Kobe and Gigi Bryant uh, is that it showed the sports world how close we are to each other. And, you know, everybody mourned this. And everybody kind of looked at themselves and said, wow, if, if this could happen to Kobe, it can happen to anybody. Because we all thought Kobe was not a human, <laughs> if we're being honest. Not only that, it showed you how close the NBA is as a fraternity and as a group. They are so much closer than any other league, than the NFL, than the MLB, that they really just look out for each other. And they're all pretty much civil. And if, if, if they're not friends, they're civil with each other. The NFL is not like that all the time. The MLB is not like that because they don't have to be. There's too many players in both of those leagues. The NBA has got less players in both of those leagues and it allows them to build more personal relationships, yes. But the fraternity that is the NBA, how close they are, and what having a good commissioner gets you is why Al Farouk Aminu is making, what is it, 15 mil? Let me, yeah, but even not him specifically, just guys in the league that we all know should not be making um, at nearly as much as what they make. They make that because the NBA sticks together. We're getting big contracts, everybody gets big contracts. They move the salary cap up. That players want each other to get paid more. Meanwhile, in the NFL, where the salary cap is different, if Patrick Mahomes signs a $40 million contract today, they're going to lose some people on that team because they need to make space. I mean, there's just no way you can keep that team together. In the NBA, you can really keep the team together um, while paying your guys that deserve it a lot of money, and even a few guys that don't deserve it a lot of money. Uh, Look at this. Bismack Boyumbo. He is making $17 million this year, and his stats are 7.5 points per game and 6 rebounds. $17 million for 7 points and 6 rebounds a game. That is the NBA in a nutshell. And while some people don't like it, oh, this guy's getting paid too much. Well, you know what? The players don't care. If it's not taken away from my money, I hope that guy gets paid. That's their mindset on it. Um... What else happened in the league? Uh, oh, John Morant and um, Andre Iguodala. And not exactly John Morant. Dylan Brooks and Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala, if you don't know, is not playing right now because he has no interest in playing for the Grizzlies. And it was said in the beginning of the year that there was a mutual agreement that they didn't want Iguodala. They wanted to trade him and that Iguodala didn't want there. But the Grizzlies are the eight seed right now. And I believe they're 500. If not, they're one game under. Let me just uh, double check that. But basically, the Grizzlies are saying, dude, why don't you come play for us? Because look at it. We're the eight seed. Yeah, they're 25 and 25. We're the eight seed. If you come back, you might give us a little boost that we need. Uh, and they're still apparently holding out to get a first rounder for Andre Iguodala, which I wouldn't have given a first rounder for Andre Iguodala six years ago. So I don't know who would give them that now. But what, what, what Dylan Brooks was saying was basically, you know, I know he's uh, he's a great player. He's been on great teams, Andre Iguodala, but I can't wait till he gets traded. Let me get the exact quote. I believe he said, I can't wait till he gets traded so we can show him what Memphis is really about. Yes, Dylan Brooks and Andre Iguodala. I can't wait till we find a way to trade him 
so we can play him and show him what Memphis is about. There is nothing wrong with that comment. That is, that is fiery. I, you, I would love that if I was a Memphis Grizzlies fan. But then it gets even better because John Morant on Twitter quotes that tweet and adds his own little, um, his own little addition to it. Let's, let's put it that way. Just a, basically an emoji which is saying, speak on it. And Steph Curry then posts to his story, Andre Gudala holding a, a finals trophy. And then John Morant posts on his, Kevin Durant holding the trophy. Basically saying, dude, you weren't getting those last two without Kevin Durant. And guess what? John Morant is absolutely right. Steph Curry in every finals he's been in has not played up to where he was before. So, and listen, Steph Curry has three rings. He has nobody to answer to. But I think him posting that was a little petty. Like, what is Andre Godala, your brother? Like, dude, Andre Godala is not playing. He has every right to do what he's doing. I don't want to play for this team. I'm not going to play. Trade me. Okay. Dylan Brooks and John Moran can be pissed off about that. And they don't have to answer nobody either. Don't just tell me Andre Godala is some legend that doesn't have to answer anybody. Andre Godala is not a legend. He won um, MVP of a finals. For holding LeBron to 38 points a game. Oh yeah, that's that's an MVP if I ever saw one. Yeah. And Andre Iguodala is a good player. He's always been a good player. But this whole... Oh, he's a he's an established veteran. He can, he can say and do what he wants. If he doesn't want to play for Memphis, he doesn't have to. These kids got to earn their stripes. Excuse me. Yeah, okay, but why, why, what is the issue with John Morant being fired up and Dylan Brooks being fired up about Iggy getting out of there? They're looking at it as like, dude, you're on this team. You're taking up space. We want someone that wants to be with us. We don't want you. We don't want you as much as you don't want us. And Steph Curry adding that little thing. Well, it was funny. I think it makes for, you know, I think it's good because it makes for things to talk about. But, um, you know, it just wasn't needed. You you have your rings. You're not playing either right now. What are you, what are you chiming in for? And John Moran, I think I, if I was a fan of the Grizzlies, man, I'd be happy about John Morant having something to say and Dylan Brooks having something to say. It's just that, I mean, they're they're on fire right now. They're a team that's playing hard. They've won a bunch of games in their last 20. I, I don't know exactly what they are. Let me check what they are in their last 10. Um, but you know what? I, I just would be really happy about it. The Grizzlies are, in their last 10, they're 7-3. and three. But they've been they've been very hot lately, and... John Morant looks like a, a amazing player, maybe a future MVP, and they got a couple of little pieces. Dylan Brooks can score. Jaron Jackson can play. Valachunas can still play. You know, you got you got some guys that they, they look like an up and coming team. So I, I I just thought that was funny. I, I I don't think I think that sometimes people are too nice and too like um, awarding to people like Andre Godala. Andre Godala is a fine player. He won his rings. Good for him. He is not someone that we have to bow down to and and claim him as one of the better players in this league. He's not. He wasn't a. He, we saw him play last year when Steph and all the uh, not Steph but um when Clay and KD got hurt. He, what did he shoot? Twenty six percent. He he stunk. I mean, we don't have to build him a statue here. Yeah, he doesn't have to play in Memphis. Okay, I want to tr- get traded to a contender. Dude, no contender is going to give up a first-round pick for you, and if they do, they're morons. 
The Lakers don't really benefit from getting Andre Iguodala, I don't think. I think the Lakers would benefit a lot more from getting a guy like Darren Collison who can handle the ball when LeBron's not in because right now they're lacking that because Rondo is awful. Rondo cannot play anymore. I'll change my opinion if he proves me wrong, but Rondo, he can't shoot. Now the problem is he thinks he can. He never thought he could before, but now I don't know if it's because he got older, but he thinks he could shoot and he still can't. And he's not even as good as a pet. He's just worn out. And he, he's at that age where, you know, he's on his last leg. But I, I, if I'm the Lakers, I, I make the move for a ball handle. I don't want Andre Iguodala. I'll take Andre Iguodala, sure, if I'm giving up nothing for him. I'm going to take on that money. And for a guy who's going to average, what, seven points a game? No, thanks. I, I'll pass. Um, that's it for NBA. That's also it for the podcast. Um, thanks for listening, guys. I'll tell you if I have... Another one coming out soon. For right now, it's going to be next week, Wednesday at the same time. Thanks for listening. Peace and love.